This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. What prompted a long-time, popular, successful, progressive conservative cabinet minister... Retired from politics since 2015, but still, what prompted Doug Griffiths to endorse his former political opponents, to endorse the New Democrats ahead of the 2023 Alberta election? That's coming up on Monday, May 29th, as if we needed to tell you. It's Jesperson here with John Hicks. Welcome to this episode of Real Talk. Doug Griffiths surprised a few folks by going on the record last week officially endorsing the party he used to not just campaign against, but but the party, of course, that he opposed in the Alberta legislature as Minister of Municipal Affairs, as Minister of Service Alberta. But he has gone on the record encouraging Albertans to vote for Rachel Notley, along with a couple of other NDP candidates by name. Now, Griffiths isn't the first former progressive conservative cabinet minister to do this. You've heard Thomas Lukasik, the former deputy premier of Alberta under progressive conservative premier, of course, Alison Redford, talking about his intention to lend his vote to the NDP and his encouragement that all Albertans do the same thing. So what's going on? What's the personal price that a former conservative politician pays? What did Doug Griffiths text messages look like when he authorized and recorded and then released this endorsement last week. We're going to find out in this episode of Real Talk. We're also going to talk about how the Alberta wildfires we heard yesterday from Kyle Bertain. What an incredible conversation that was with that storm chaser, that video journalist, a former wildland firefighter. We're getting a sense of how these fires are defining This early spring into summer in 2023 in Western Canada, more than a million hectares already burned. That's already more than five times the total area burned all last summer in Alberta for perspective. But how have these fires impacted this election? Uh, Number one, of course, they've paused or in some cases halted door knocking efforts for obvious reasons. They've kept people more indoors than they may have been. Not as much outdoor activity on the rally front. The types of things we usually see during an election. But what about conversations about climate change, climate policy? Have those ramped up? I haven't really seen evidence of it. We're going to talk to Alberta Green Party leader Jordan Wilkie, who's going to join me in studio on this episode of Real Talk as well. Plus, of course, we'll look to our live chat. Our email inbox is always open to you at talk at ryanjesperson.com. Before we officially go wheels up here, I want to give a shout out to Alberta Financial Advisors. Now, we know that we don't have to tell you that the end of June is significant, right? Your insurance license is due for renewal at the end of June. And that means that you may still need continuing education credits. If that is the case, we encourage you today to head over to businesscareercollege.com and sign up for the CE Drive podcast. Just $200 gets you an annual subscription that provides you with all the continuing education credits you could ever need. Every episode is packed with information that you can use in your business. If you're a financial advisor in Alberta, 
Check out businesscareercollege.com today. Former PC cabinet minister Doug Griffiths live on Real Talk in just a second. But first, to set the table, here's what we'll be talking about. My name is Doug Griffiths. I'm a former MLA and cabinet minister. I spent 13 years in the legislature. In those 13 years, I served with both Rachel Notley and with Danielle Smith. And I can tell you important things about both of them. Rachel Notley always showed integrity and stuck to her guns. We didn't always agree on everything, but she was always open and honest and transparent about what she stood for. Daniel Smith is not. She said to ignore all of the things on her radio program, but they tell a lot about who she is. So if we ignore them, is it because she didn't believe in them or because she does? She told you she wouldn't cross the floor and then three weeks later crossed the floor. This election is as much about integrity as anything else. If you want to know my position, I'm supporting Rachel Notley. When Danielle Smith crossed the floor to join my party, I resigned my position as a politician. That should tell you everything you need to know about who you can trust. That's Doug Griffiths, first elected as the youngest MLA in Alberta at the time, 29 years of age in 2002. He won a whole bunch of elections after that. He served Albertans as the Minister of Municipal Affairs through that 2013 flood season, which was, I would imagine, Doug, one of your biggest challenges as a politician. And you're right. January 26th of 2015, you resigned from your cabinet post. You resigned from your position. That was just a week and a half or so after Danielle Smith and eight other Wild Rose MLAs crossed the floor. Here you are now live on Real Talk. Welcome back. It's good to see your face. Good to see you too, Ryan. I, if you remember, I resigned live on your show. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, it was a pretty big moment for us, Doug. And it was just the, the show was only about three weeks old at the time. And, and that was a really big deal. Take us into what got you to that point. Maybe in a way you saw the writing on the wall. You were about four and a half months ahead of what is now known as the Orange Crush, Rachel Notley's dramatic march to form government in May of that year. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to betray some caucus confidentialities, but it has been eight years now. I remember having the debate and the discussion about about uh, the Wild Rose crossing the floor, joining the party. And I talked about um, the lack of integrity, the anger that they fed the province, um, and how much uh, we didn't belong in the same party. This notion that we were both conservatives and and pretty close to each other, I said, was wrong. And I, I remember, I think my last words were, I don't think you're going to win the next election, but I can't sit in here anyway. And uh, and I resigned. And yeah, five months later, I'm not saying I'm, I'm always right, but once in a while when I am, it a doozy, I guess. Yeah. So you've been spending the last eight years. I mean, I think people are familiar with what you've been doing. You've, you've been on the lecture circuit. You've authored a couple of books. 13 Ways to Kill Your Community is, is the brand, essentially, that people have come to know you about. You've talked to people about building community, about building consensus, about creating healthy environments for, for people to grow and raise their families and start their businesses. So you've stayed in the public eye. Uh, politically speaking, what's it like for you? What's it been like to be out of the game so to speak you're still in the mix but you haven't been on the field well i mean i'm, I'm always interested in politics because it plays such a significant role in in the province and in, in federal government and in our communities and i have i have a lot of clients that do a lot of speaking in the united states too and of course politics is front and center there um and and my issue um the thing that i, I work strive most for is to try and help us overcome some of those extreme right and left divisions that that are obvious and apparent in the united states but also seem to plague us here in canada and alberta this yeah i mean i i, I used to have 
Beer and Wings with Brian Mason. I used to have uh, a glass of wine with David Swan, who was the liberal leader at the time. We, we, we could still get along and, and we would have debates and discussions and I didn't always agree with what they thought and they didn't always agree with me, but we were able to have frank discussions. But now there's this, this deep animosity that's that vitriolic hatred that, that the other side is going to destroy our province. I, I don't think so. I mean, but before I ever decided to take this stand that I did now, I went through all of the New Democrats' policies, the Alberta Party's policies, um, and the and the United Conservative, the UCP's policies, and and actually, you know, the the New Democrats, they're I agree with about ninety percent of what they're trying to do. They're trying to to diversify our economy. They're trying. They want to reinvest in education. They want to make sure our healthcare system is prosperous. I think everybody wants to do that. So I don't think anyone is out to destroy the province and and we need to get past that and start to think about what is good long term instead of even when my team is evil, the other team has got to be far worse. Because if we look for evil, um, you know, being a, a conservative minded guy, I, I think we need to look at home right now these days. Mm. We uh, we had an interesting uh, roundtable on Friday. We were looking sort of recapping the televised debate and Corey Hogan uh, you know him from the Strategist podcast. He's a VP down at the University of Calgary. He made kind of a good and amusing point that he, he hated an audience-submitted question asking the political leaders, Smith and Notley, to, to comment on a policy with which they agreed, you know, a policy with the other party where they saw eye-to-eye, where they aligned. And Corey said, well, that's not an appropriate debate question. He says, because we're going to agree on 90% of the stuff anyway. And the entire election, the whole point of this is on the 10% of stuff we don't agree on. So you saying that you might agree with Rachel Notley or the NDP on 90% of their stuff, that's really no surprise, at least it wouldn't have been, to Corey Hogan on Friday. I want to talk to you about that other 10%, though, because you had to wrestle with that, I'm sure, a little bit before you put this endorsement out. But let me ask you this first. It's one thing to intend to vote for the NDP, to vote across party lines, you might say, if you're going to make it dramatic. It's one thing to tell a couple friends or people in your circle that you intend to vote for the NDP. It's an entirely different thing as a former senior cabinet minister to release an official endorsement for your former opponents. What got you to that point, Doug? Well, I, I mean, there are, there are, this might be the 10% that I really cannot agree with, of, with the UCP. Um, and that's, quite a bit of it comes down to, to Danielle. Um, but Danielle's voice and her policies. I mean, so back when I was a brand new MLA in 2002, I, I believed in those Stephen Harper firewall letters, the Sovereignty Act kind of stuff. You know, we needed our own pension plan. We needed our own police force. We needed to collect our own taxes. And then I remember one of my first speeches in the house said, yeah, we should be ready to have our own police force. Ralph Klein called me into his office and said, do you really believe that stuff? And I said, yes. He said, great. I want you and Marianne Jablonski and Ian McCullough to form a committee. And I want you to go explore Alberta's place in Confederation. I want you to find out if those are good ideas. And so we undertook it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it was one of the best educations of my life because they were all ridiculous ideas that were going to cost taxpayers. They were going to cost the government. They were going to cost families. They were going to cost businesses. And none of them were going to add any, any significant benefit. I mean, a billion dollars over 10 years for an Alberta provincial police force. I didn't even know that we used to have an Alberta provincial police force and it was disbanded from corruption and political interference. You know, so that wasn't beneficial. Collecting our own taxes instead of a few million dollars going to the federal government and one extra page on your federal form that's very easy to fill out. Um, and then they collect it for us and send it back to us. Um, 
we'd have to set up an entire bureaucracy of, of people to collect the taxes of our own forms. It would cost business and individuals huge amounts of time and money so that we could be independent. And, and, and no result actually changes and makes Alberta stronger. So they were all costly, significant, ridiculous ideas. And it, it changed my perspective a lot. Her, her notion of a sovereignty act, and I know she's trying to back away from it, but, but she's, she's still adamant. I still think that that's in her blood. And I, I think it would be a huge mistake. I think it will chase away investment, um, from this province. I mean, I even debated people on Twitter about the sovereignty act and they'd say, well, we need to get what Quebec has. What? A lack of investment, a lack of economic growth so that we can stand around and claim that we're, we're purely independent. That's, that's not the kind of sibling in the Canadian relationship that we are. I think we're an innovator and I think we have a strong economy and we should focus on growing Alberta and Canada, not fighting with them. So are you like Lukasik? Are you lending the NDP your vote? Do you consider yourself to be an NDP voter now? Like, Talk to us about this evolution or where you're sitting right now. Well, I mean, personally, I've I've said this before. I in politics, you tend to be on teams, but when your team is wrong, then then move around. I I'm not loyal. People, some of those texts that you said I got. Oh, you have no loyalty, bastards. Um, no, I don't. I have loyalty to Albertans and to smart policies and to a strong economy and good communities. I don't have loyalty to a party. I mean, at what point does your loyalty to a party make you say, oh, well, maybe we've gone too far? when when they're out there like the take alberta group take back alberta group that's that's brought danielle in power got rid of jason kenny has over thirty thousand members and and you know they don't say a lot about what their policies are but but he has said publicly david has that that he thinks women should be in the kitchen and should be having more babies or it's an anti-human policy and that they shouldn't be in the workforce i mean that all ties into some like christian nationalist like white males should be in power like he's not saying what else he believes in but i've never heard anyone believe something like that who didn't have a bunch of other very ridiculous mindsets and so uh, what do you take back alberta's there with their hyper um not very equitable <laughs> i'm trying to be polite here but but when do, do you get um racists and Aryan nations in there and then you say no got to be loyal to the party you got to be loyal to smart ideas to practical ideas to, to real world problems that we have so no i'm not loyal to a party i will vote every single time based on who i think has the best policies and sometimes who i think have the worst policies my guess though is that this is going to be the first time you're voting new democrat in alberta yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, would First you time. tell us like what you know? I mean, you don't have to you name names unless you want to. Uh, but like, tell us about what some of the text messages you got looked like. Some of the emails. Anybody say anything to your face? I mean, what have you have you paid a price for for issuing these endorsements? Well, I I I have always taken a stance. Um, you know, I, I remind people I, I served under five different premiers when I was elected, and at some point. I pissed every single one of them off so much they hated me. But I'm always going to take a stand on what I believe is right. And that, you know what? Surprisingly, I thought I'd have more more vitriolic comments, but it's not the case. I've got a few, um, a couple of emails and a few texts. But it, I'm actually surprised by how many people have sent me texts or called me and said, you know, if you can stand up and do that, so can I. I was just going to vote conservative because I always have. Maybe I'm going to. I'm going to change my perspective. And I've even had a few former colleagues who said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to do a video too. Um, people are very, um, 
afraid of the the context that that Danielle keeps creating and the tone she keeps setting. I mean, that take back Alberta group is is most of the calls are that they're they're very concerned about that group and you know they make comments like Danielle went to his wedding and and if she says she's going to represent Albertans, um, the the people keep saying. She says she's going to represent Albertans. Is she going to represent Albertans or is she going to represent Take Back Alberta? Um, and she's already showed she has very little integrity with regard to that. I mean, three weeks before she crossed the floor, she promised Albertans she would never cross the floor. And then she did. And then uh, immediately after, no, she on the on the debate uh, last week, he said, forget everything I said on my my show. Well, if she believes it, that's concerning. And if she doesn't believe it, it's concerning that she says stuff she doesn't believe in. She just keeps showing she has no integrity, and and that that's that's an issue. And so I get a lot of people that say, you know what, I, I was going to vote conservative, but I don't like her. But now that you mention it, I think I might not vote conservative either. So I'd say about two thirds of the calls are are an awareness that we can vote for who we think is best and make sure we don't put bad people in powerful positions. Let's talk about the 10% of, of, of policy, you know, rough number, obviously. Let, let's let's talk about the stuff that you might still be wrestling with a little bit. The stuff, you know, around the NDP's plan or platform that might not land well with you. I mean, w- w- let's be honest here. W- is there anything about the platform that you're still having a bit of a tough time with? Or are, are, you, are you having to wrestle with something? Um, you know what? I, I can't even think of what it was that it stood out. I know that um, I... I I do know that there's there's um, the opportunity. Uh, no, you know what? I, I'm so I guess one that stood out is the raising of corporate taxes to eleven yeah. um, percent. Except, you know, I'm not panicked about that. I hope that it's done gradually to allow businesses the chance to 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 adjust. But frankly, it still gives us one of the lowest tax brackets in the entire country. I think it is still the lowest uh, small business tax. Where lowering small business tax was a an offset policy, which I very much support. So I hope it's done gradually. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, when I we were in caucus, um, I remember we lowered the corporate tax rate, and one of the most conservative people in caucus, who is 100% in favor of lowering the corporate tax rate, said in a matter of of two, maybe three months later, um, that he was wrong. He said, you know what, we we shouldn't have lowered the corporate tax rate. It didn't create any jobs. New head offices didn't move here. If we were going to do anything, we should be lowering the small business tax rate where local Albertans are trying to build a business. And you know, that's Rachel's policy. Get us tilled to the lowest tax bracket in the country for businesses, but ensure that that we, we still maximize what we can collect um, because there's no advantage of being 2% lower than anybody else, be as low as anybody else, and then lower the small business tax rate. That that would help a lot of small businesses, especially post-pandemic. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I can't actually remember any of the single individual policies I disagreed with. A little bit of concern about how they might be implemented, but I mean, I don't care what platform there is. I'll have concerns about um, how they do it. So... Uh, I want to let people know that uh, tomorrow we're going to be hosting on Friday. We'll be hosting. We're calling it an inform your vote real talk roundtable. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, three panelists, including Shauna Feth, uh, the new CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. And so I know that she's going to be talking a lot about finances. We'll have Trevor Toom, the economist on that roundtable as well. So people that want to talk about the dollars and the cents and the corporate tax rates and the impact on business and and the history that we can look to and what the future might look like, we'll want to make sure that they catch our Friday roundtable. We're, we're talking to Doug Griffiths right now, former progressive conservative minister. Let me run through some of these 
these margins of victory. This is just, I don't know, I geek out about this stuff. I think it's fun. You're 29 years of age. There's a by-election in Wainwright. Uh, you run. There's no incumbent. Obviously, there's an ethics violation with the incumbent who resigned. So here you are, 29 years of age. You come in, and you win the seat with about 45% of the vote. Two years later, Alberta general election, new riding, Battle River Wainwright, you win with a whopping 65% of the vote. The Alberta Alliance candidate was next with 14% of the vote for, for perspective. A 65% uh, win. Uh, next election, 08, you just wipe the table. Uh, you win by a whopping 79% of the vote. But here's where it gets interesting. In 2012, as if I have to remind you, you still win. You still are, you know, mid high 40s. You win with 47% of the vote, but right on your heels with 44% of the vote is the Wild Rose candidate. And that riding was starting to get interesting. And Alberta politics were starting to get interesting. You remember 2012, everybody remembers the Lake of Fire election. Daniel Smith was supposed to win that election, but of course she didn't. Allison Redford did. But there was the rise of the right, if I can call it that. I don't think anyone would push back on that assessment. The Wild Rose Party was gaining momentum, and then it didn't. Some big setbacks, the floor crossing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now you've got Jason Kenney brings together the two conservative parties in you know, 2016, 2017. They go to the election. 2019, they win. Of course, the United Conservative Party. But here we are talking now about Take Back Alberta. Boards being taken over, constituency associations being taken over, people unabashedly talking about, like, I can't even, honestly, it feels ridiculous to say it out loud, but you're right. The guy's on the record talking about, like, women staying in the kitchen. I mean, like, honestly, it's not a joke. It's 2023. This guy has purportedly major influence on this United Conservative Party. Where do you see this all going? Like, the, it's like the progressive conservative powerhouse, Doug, just almost evaporated into nothing and everybody's trying to find it now. Yeah, the uh, that th this is this is my favorite topic. I, I we could talk about this for another forty five minutes because uh, I, I think that there's something that's happened with the conservative movement, um, the conservative parties all across North America, probably around the world too, as we've seen changes, some pretty radical changes, even in in places like Germany. Um, so it, it's funny around two thousand ten to two thousand and twelve, um, and I remember having this discussion. Even though my percentage of to, to victory was lower, uh, I almost got the same number of votes. And I, I remember pointing out that uh, th there were a few thousand people that hadn't voted since the Social Credit Party was in power that came out to vote. And my argument was that when the Wild Rose crossed the floor to join us, they were not going to vote for us. They were going to just go form another right-wing party, except... I think they learned since then that instead of trying to to, to form a, a more hardcore right-wing party with some very, very, you know, I tell people those those parties are kind of like a party for the 90s, the 1890s. And, mm -hmm. and instead of forming another party and trying to challenge us, they infiltrated us. They've done it at the federal level. They've done it in other provinces. And that, that um, let's go back to, to when times were great 50 or 100 years ago and seize power again and, and, you know, put women back in the kitchen and take away contraception and ridiculous ideas. They, they are are infiltrating the conservative movement. And so what, what we seem to get constantly now is people who say radical things to win the nomination, the leadership race, which, I mean, Danielle Smith said um, a lot of stuff like that. I mean, 
to say that people who, who believed in wearing masks and vaccines are Nazi sympathizers is embarrassing. To say that people who didn't want to wear masks are equivalent to the most persecuted group in history is is insane. I mean, somehow she forgot about the Holocaust and, and the LGBTQ community and 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 minority. It just it, it's insane. But but in order to win a nomination now in, in a conservative party across Canada and the United States, you have to say insane things. You say insane things, you win, and now you can't win a general election because you've demonstrated that you're way too radical. We've missed that middle, middle to the right fringe that that or, or, or massive group where the majority of people sit that that sort of governed, and that now we've got this big vacuum in the middle. And Rachel's been smart. The new, new Democrats have been smart in moving their policies over. Because if I can agree with with over ninety percent of them, that's that's pretty telling, um, and and it's it's happening even in the United States. I mean, it, if you're not a true conservative, you're a rhino, you're a Republican in name only. I, most of the texts that I've got are from people who have said you're not a real conservative. You weren't. Why? Because I believe women can be in the workforce. I believe that daycare is part of our economic policy, and that contraception and abortion have been established as human rights and choices for women's bodies. If that's not if that makes me not a conservative, I don't know what the hell a conservative ever was. And then I don't want to be one. But I think the that radical, and I'm sorry, it tends to be that that Christian, you know, let's go back to some sort of weird fundamentalist ideas, right? Radical right. And I I, I think they need to go back and have their own rump party and and you know, run their little show. But we need to somehow find that middle tent again. And it's all across North America, probably the world. And until we find a way. To push those people out and say no go have your rump party we are not um doing this we're going to continue to have leaders win because they say crazy things and they can't win the election because they've said crazy things and they have crazy policies people should check out our roundtable from a week ago it was, it was thursday of last week and we had we call it our group chat roundtable it's three friends of mine you know we're always shooting the shit and sharing rumors with each other off the record uh, one of them is lawyer Harmon Candola, who ran for the progressive conservatives in 2015 in Edmonton, a sharp guy. And he was talking about he, re he remembered, I think it was an AGM uh, it, where, you know, people are essentially looking at uniting the conservative party. And uh, I don't know, it's weird. It feels like an eternity ago. It wasn't really that long ago. If you look at it, it's like five years ago. But but Harmon goes on the record. If you didn't hear the roundtable, folks, you have to check it out. And he says he remembers somebody standing up in the back and saying, do we really want these people in the party? Like, do we want these people in our party? And he said, and, 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 and if we do, I mean, his, what was his line, Johnny? He said something like people are going to be given birth in barns and stuff like this. So we're going to be teaching school and outhouses and given birth in barns or something like this. And uh, it was quite a memorable, quite a, an impactful moment on the show a week ago, uh, last Thursday's episode. Give us a sense. I mean, you served under five premiers, including Klein. Uh, if not law, he, you know, arguably, you know, one of the, certainly one of the most popular premiers in Alberta's history. Um, how were... Uh, and I'm just going to shoot straight here. How, how did they deal with the crazies at the time? How, how did you see the different premiers or different cabinets deal with what this manifestation of the Conservative Party seems to have a tough time saying no to? Yeah, you know what? That, that's a that's a hard question to answer. To me, Peter Lougheed was the greatest premier we ever had. Most people would say he's a conservative. He was actually a pretty moderate, maybe slightly right of center person and that's that's what created this whole movement for Alberta for so long Ralph was a little more right but but not completely I mean 
he, he one of the greatest things he he did uh, was to to pool all the property taxes, the education property portion, so that so that the entire province got properly funded instead of wealthy jurisdictions and poor ones. Um, that doesn't happen in the United States. I think one of the biggest challenges they have is that uh, their education is underfunded, and it's it's a uh, um, factor in the symptoms we see now in their political discourse. Um, but every single one of them did find a different way to do it. In Ralph Klein's case, I don't think he he believed anything that they said, but they loved him. And I think it was the way he communicated. Um, and, and once they had faith in him, he became one of theirs. Um, they were they even when he did things that they would have disagreed with, um, they, they supported him. It, it's I, I, I liked Ralph. Um, I didn't agree with everything he did, obviously. I mean, when he I was only there for his last three years, but the Ralph Bucks, I told him, I think that that's a, that's a bad idea. Um, he didn't get really get mad at me. I think he was a little perturbed, but um, every single one of them found a way to do that communication. And I think it's a little bit like um, the Donald Trump scenario. I mean, we have Donald Trump, who is massively supported by the religious right um, in the United States, but he's been divorced three times, cheated on all of his wives. He's like he's the antithesis of what they do, but somehow they say that he's going to be their savior. And it's it's getting their support. So if they believe that you're going to be their savior, I guess. But I I, I can't say that there's one prescription for it. And personally, I would tell them I go form a, a different party, I guess. I am not there's a reason why we've got 200 years of history of separating church and state. Keep your your religious ideas, I don't care what faith it is. To yourself, we're going to work on good policies to make our communities and our province and our country strong. And that, um, so I don't, I don't know that you want to win them over. Um, I think it was more of a coincidence winning them over than a, a practical approach. But somehow, some of them have done it. Would you agree? Uh, I attended a, an event hosted by Politico last night, and there seemed to be consensus in the room. That I don't speak for everybody, but kind of, kind of consensus in the room that that if the Notley NDP doesn't win this election they're not winning again in Alberta. Like there, there's kind of that sense. Like it just seemed like, and your name came up, right? They go, you've got Griffiths and Lukasik. You've got senior cabinet ministers for the PCs endorsing the NDP. You've got a, a pretty healthy looking economic outlook. Oil's trading okay. Alberta's looking good. So Albertans aren't as on edge as they may have been. Not to say that inflation and cost of living isn't a factor in this election. You've got strong candidates. You've got Danielle Smith leading the UCP, mired in controversy. The ethic commissioner's report. You've got Arthur Pavlovsky, this lunatic, this hate preacher on the steps of the legislature yeah. yesterday. Now, I'm not actually going to get into much of what he said yesterday because I do not consider him to be a credible source. But the fact that the premier's taking calls from him and, and, and he alleges yesterday promising him a plum riding where he could earn a seat in the legislature and if not, a well-paid position and amnesty. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, the point is these are not normal, regular storylines. I mean, I don't know how many elections I've covered provincially, municipally, federally, but these are not normal stories that we're talking about. Would you agree that if the NDP can't score in this net, they might not score again in Alberta? Well, I, I think it would be tough. I mean, the, the, everything is ripe right now for the picking. But you know what? Uh, again, everyone would have said you'll never elect an NDP government in Alberta. But it did happen once before yep. um, because the situation was right. And we've got to remember, uh, lots of times people don't necessarily vote in favor of a party. They vote against the one that's in power. So if you if if they lose this election and Daniel Smith somehow still stays in power, because I, I keep hearing endlessly that that, you know, at the doors, they're promising that Daniel will be gone as soon as they win. So please vote for us. We'll pick a new leader. 
who knows how crazy they could be maybe they'll be rational but if take back alberta is still backing them and and runs the board if they say that they do then it'll be pretty hard to elect a moderate so if daniel's still there and the sovereignty act gets a rebirth and gets gets pushed back and, and take back alberta starts to push policies like taking away birth control and banning abortions and arguments like that um four years uh could do a lot of damage and and you never know the the province still could change and say well okay we gave this ucp group another another chance and they're not united conservatives they're radical wing nuts and then i think you might see an exodus of progressive conservatives like me leaving the party if that continues and then maybe maybe the alberta party suddenly becomes a force i I, I don't uh, maybe they they don't and it, it still becomes the new democrats as an option but i wouldn't say never uh it this is the best opportunity they've ever had um and so we'll, we'll see it how it unfolds but i would never say never yeah the alberta party's got a great brand they've got a great name you've got some good people associated with it for whatever reason it hasn't clicked and, and you're not the first to suggest that you know some high profile traffic into that direction could revive that party Fact of the matter is not a factor in this election. I wouldn't rule anything out in future. Uh, while we have been speaking, everybody's been wondering on this Thursday, who's the big endorsement for the UCP going to be? They said they had a big endorsement. Surprise, surprise, Doug. As we've been talking, it's come out. It is the leader of the official opposition. It's Pierre Poliev, who has endorsed uh, Danielle Smith in a video and the UCP. I'm not sure that this is a surprise. It strikes me as an obvious endorsement. Uh, I, I guess in a way it's a Big endorsement. Before I let you go, if you and I were having a beer here, I'd ask what you make of the state of the federal conservative party right now. What do you what do you make of what Pierre Polyev's doing there? Well, I I think he's a bit of a joke. I mean, he has he says one thing and does the opposite. He he's actually um, fundamentally one of the issues again that we have with con the conservative movement. This guy continues to talk about what businesses need, about how the private sector is important. He's made statements that are the exact opposite of what he says now because now he's the leader and now he's trying to get power. And everyone's got to remember this guy has been in political office since he was 24 years old. He has never had a real job ever. So I I I think everything he's doing is for show, and I I I have a I can't buy a ticket to that show. It's just nauseating to listen to him so negative so critical he i mean i barely heard him well actually i can't think of a single thing i've heard him offer up that says this is what we would do better and different it is just endlessly attacking the current government oh let's see what you would do that's different i mean what would you have done different in the pandemic you criticize that they spent too much money and that they, they had pandemic requirements to prevent the spread so our healthcare system didn't get overrun what would you do different it's easy to be a critic. And in my, you know, there's that old adage, you audition for the job you want. As far as I'm concerned, everything I've seen um, Pierre Polyev do is auditioning to be the opposition leader. And I think that's probably what he's going to wind up with after the next election still. Doug Griffiths, former Minister of Municipal Affairs, former Minister of Service Alberta, longtime progressive conservative MLA, and uh, now the president of 13 Ways. You can check out what he's doing online at 13waysinc.com. And of course, we will ensure that we put that in the show notes on the podcast and on YouTube. You can find out how they're helping communities thrive, learn, and grow. Doug, it's always nice to see your face, my man. Thanks for, you know, thanks for bringing it this morning, man. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm always straight up, Ryan, and I appreciate the chance to be on your show again. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Doug. 
Yeah, he's right, man. Uh, I'll never forget that. He literally resigned from a senior government cabinet position on my show, on my yeah. talk show. And it was just like, it, it stop the presses. Uh-huh. Like, when the show is making news, that was, a, that was a significant moment. And he saw the writing on the wall, man. That yeah. was like four months ahead of that big election. Mm-hmm. Notley goes from four seats to 54 <laughs> and forms government. <laughs> what Jason Kenney went on to call the accidental NDP government. Yeah. If she can do it again, it's not an accident. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We need to see the live chat as well. We really appreciate your engagement. Real talk is it is popping off right now. It's crazy today. Someone, I I don't remember who it is. I love to give credit, but I saw someone just said, I can see the concern on Doug's face. Like, this is legit. Mm -hmm. I don't think you put your name and your record and your reputation out there. on A a political endorsement is a big deal. Huge. You know, it's a big deal. I even think like people that put lawn signs out. Mm-hmm. There are safe zones. Like, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. were, we were talking about with when Michael Solberg on Monday. Like, you know, the, yeah, join in. Uh, Calgary. I was this. in Southeast Calgary visiting my parents. All blue. All yeah, down the street. Our neighborhood. All orange. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But, you know, one of my neighbors, uh, we're buddies. He, he's got the one blue sign on the block. And I was like, hey, man. Planting that flag. <laughs> it's, you know, what? it's interesting <laughs> because. People remember that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, is he getting uninvited from some barbecues? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Did you watch? Uh, did you read some of what Arter Pavlovsky said oh, yesterday? Man. I mean, I, the I will bribery say this. And it was, I, I thought it was crazy. He's alleging some pretty huge stuff. Yeah. So apparently yeah. he's saying they the UCP tried to bribe him by saying, get out of politics. We'll put you on a COVID panel okay. that you lead oh, moving great. forward. Yeah, perfect. And that eventually went to Preston Manning. So that's, that's pretty big. That's, that's a pretty big scoop. We're going to hear from Preston as well. I, I was not second choice <laughs> to Mr. Pulaski. That's my Preston Manning impression. This conversation is presented by Real Talk sponsors like our friends at California Closets. As the name would suggest, these guys hit it out of the park on custom closets. That's no secret. But have you seen what they're doing with garages right now? I mean, including their custom garage cabinets in ash, wood grain finish. Absolutely stunning. You can check out the looks online at californiaclosets.ca. Let's elevate your garage to the next level. Let's turn it into an actual, usable, functional space where you enjoy spending time in there instead of tripping over the rake, trying to find your golf shoes. The car's on the street anyway because there's no room there for anything. California Closets can help you figure this out and, of course, increase the value of your home as well. You can request a free consultation today by visiting them online at californiaclosets.ca. You know, we've told you many times that our dogs, our family members, Moses and Monroe, Moses is 11, Monroe's four. They love their Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. We've been feeding them this raw food from Grand Dog Essentials for a number of years now, well before we were doing business with this family-owned brand. Why? Because we've seen the health benefits. They're undeniable. And I want to let you know, for the entire month of May, on their Doggy Moggy Chicken Veggie Raw Dog Food Blend, it's on sale for just 99 bucks for a 40-pound box right now. This blend uses whole chickens sourced from Alberta farmers and human-grade facilities. Now, this is a big deal, the whole chicken. It means, of course, that they're using the organs, too. This is really important for your dog's health. 
Oh, and by the way, they have stuff for cats, too. While you're shopping online at granddog.ca, check out their new line of the Adored Beast Apothecary. This is great stuff, not just for dogs, but cats as well. The promo code REALTALK knocks 10% off your first-time order delivered to your door at granddog.ca. We're so proud of this studio that we work out of every single day bringing you this show. We would not be here if it wasn't for our friends at Complete Care Restoration. Absolute masters in construction and renovation. You know, they also help people that are recovering from fire damage, flood damage. They're going to be busy this season, unfortunately, with everything going on. More than 70 fires still across the province. Complete Care Restoration is a trusted brand here in the province. Founded in Edmonton 10 years ago, like a lot of great companies, started out in the garage and grew from there. Still locally owned and operated. You can contact them today at completecarerestoration.ca. And we've been using this week to say congratulations to our friends at Apex Automation. This week, they opened up their first field office in the Lone Star State. That's right, team members of theirs, current employees at Apex, wanted to pursue personal opportunities in Texas. Well, Apex didn't want to lose their talented team members, so they dug up some business down there, and now it's taking off. Sound good to you? A company that puts its people ahead of just stone-cold profit chasing? You can learn more about who they're hiring right now at Apex Automation, including electrical, instrumentation, computer science, process, and mechanical engineers. All the information online at apexautomation.ca. Speaking of this studio, it's always nice when we get somebody to come hang out with us in here. And that's the case uh, right now with Jordan Wilkie. He's the leader of the Green Party of Alberta. He's a candidate in Edmonton, Rutherford. And uh, and uh, we're looking forward. This is your second time on the show. Last yeah. time you are here, part of a roundtable. Right. You got everybody all fired up and folks said, you got to bring Wilkie back. And we said, well, we will. And this seems like a good time to do it. When I'm talking about these fires here right. in part of this ad Absolutely. read, I can see there was a physical reaction from you. That, that's actually your, that's your day job. That's your business. How have you been wrapping your mind around what you're seeing across the province of Alberta right now with the fires? It's been rough, uh, you know, to be out of the game too. Like uh, I'm a firefighter. I've been firefighting for 15 years. And so, you know, when this happened, uh, it, it was a crazy time for me because, of course, I'm running a campaign. Uh, I'm the leader of a party. I've taken an unpaid leave from uh, my fire service. And now the province is on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the first thing I did was try to jump back in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, there's obviously priorities. It's something that I was calling out very early on was, why aren't we creating a state of emergency here? Why aren't we getting uh, the support that's needed up in these northern communities, especially? Uh, and, you know, it was uh, all, everything going on at once. But it was just crazy to watch uh, the stalling of the government as we knew that the fires were going to get worse and worse. And they kept calling these things unprecedented. Uh, but I mean, we've been studying wildfires. I mean, I did my master's in disaster emergency management. Really? Yeah, exactly. And, and on uh, wildfire res- resilience. And so literally, this stuff is known since 2008. We, we obviously knew that these would be expected. Uh, these are absolutely precedented. Don't you know, stop gaslighting us uh, as a people. Uh, we need concrete resilience uh, for these fires, which are only going to get worse and worse. And so, again, I tried to throw my name in, but uh, they wanted some volunteers. Uh, but however, uh, you know, 
there's been such a, le- uh, a problem with the ca- our capacity uh, and for the service and, and our response. Uh, you can't just create a worst case scenario and then say that you're going to throw money at it. We needed to be more prepared for this thing. Can, can I pick your brain on this a yeah, little bit? Sorry, I, I, I said a lot there. No, that's great. <laughs> it it's a talk show, pal. That's the whole idea. That's why people tune in. I had no idea that you had a graduate degree related to wildfire. We talked to Kyle Bertain yesterday, storm chaser. Right. Uh, he's, he's a former uh, Alberta correspondent for the Weather Network. Now he's an independent photojournalist, former wildland firefighter, really impressive yeah, guy. Stuff. Uh, people got to listen to that interview if they didn't catch it. We're showing some of his images right now. Just incredible stuff. I mean, it's ominous. It's, it's apocalyptic. Uh, I'd love really to is. build off that conversation with him and pick your brain a little bit he did talk about some of the things i know they've been doing it like in jasper national park i know the hinton has done some of this some of those boreal kind of communities of fort mcmurray and others like wood buffalo um in 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 clearing out some of the brush and in in you know building a little further away but everybody loves the big towering trees near their backyard right everybody as humans we kind of like to get as close to potential disaster we build our houses right on the big rivers and then we're blown away when they flood like this is kind of how we go and I'm not blaming anybody or trying to be an asshole. That's just kind of the way that we operate as humans. Right. What would being more fire smart, what would being m- more sort of like, uh, you know, planning ahead and being more responsible with our resources and our building and our mm-hmm. codes mm-hmm. Uh, with your informed perspective, right. what would that look like? Uh, yeah. To unpack some of that, you're talking about fuel modification in these areas. And so there's, there's ways like prescribed burning, for example, which uh, is actually an indigenous traditional uh, use of, of fire management. Uh, we need to be definitely doing that more uh, and we need to be working with indigenous communities in that regard Uh, but as far as an overall picture uh, the Green Party of Alberta actually got a ton of attention because we were the only party that had a wildfire resilience plan. Of course, I mean, this is my, my wheelhouse. However, when we look at climate issues, when we look at uh, the issues regarding our resilience to some of these big hazards, uh, there's just no proactive uh, policies in place uh, for these big issues. And it blows my mind because as a, a government, we should be protecting our citizens. We should be going back to the basics of, of what you know, politicians, I believe, should be, which is uh, stewards and guardians for, for the people, looking after the people's interests. And this is a major, major piece that is missing. So in our plan, uh, to answer your question, uh, we definitely talked about bringing back the capacity levels for our wildland firefighters. Uh, they are you know, a skeleton crew. Uh, I, I know guys out there, uh, they've been complaining from the start that they don't have the resources that they need. And that started back in you know, the days of Notley, where they allowed a uh, whole wa- water bomber flight group to age out. And so we actually have lower capacity in our water bombing um, capacity than back in 2014. And so when you allow our our water bombers to age out, uh, you create a huge risk for the people on the ground. And so, again, we need to be reinforcing these things. It's not like we didn't see this coming. Again, like, you know, I wrote a paper in in 2015 all about this. And the the knowledge goes back to 2008, ringing the alarm bells that these things are going to happen more and more and more, and it's going to come earlier, it's going to be drier, they're going to be longer, it's going to be more detrimental for the people, and it's going to cost lives, not just out on the fire field, uh, not just houses burning, uh, but the smoke that we're uh, breathing in, and the, you know, the 
we already have the McGill study that says lung cancers are going to go up, uh, brain tumors are going to go up, reproductive issues. And so this is a holistic issue that we are not even focusing on. We made a huge deal about this rap attack team. And yes, why would we cut that? It, it wasn't worth cutting. Uh, but why are we talking about the water bombers? And then there's the lookout towers, there's the capacity, there's the rural firefighters uh, that don't have the support that they need. They don't have the training that they need. They don't have the equipment that they need. Uh, how can you allow worst case scenario and then say, Daniel Smith stands there and says, don't worry, we have enough money to fix this. That's our money that they're going to throw at this problem. But if you deal with the mitigation issues and the preparedness issues, there's a one to 15 ratio in disaster management. So that means every $1 you spend on mitigation will result in a $15 savings for, let's say, response or recovery, which is what we're seeing now is full-on response and then massive recovery in these areas that are affected, mostly Indigenous areas. And again, that comes down to a lack of forethought, a lack of planning, a lack of talk on climate change. Uh, we have glyphosate that's being dropped in our forests. That's the active ingredient in Roundup. That kills off the aspen trees, uh, the deciduous trees that are a natural fire break for these fires. And then these fires will you know, ladder up from fuels that are cut and left from the lumber industry and create these mass, as you saw on these, uh, these pictures of, of these huge walls of fire. Uh, those are the crown fires that result from uh, poor forest management, uh, from spraying glyphosate, no natural barriers, and uh, just really a lack of, of any uh, climate uh, plan. And there's plans out there, and we can talk about that if you want. Uh, it's just crazy to watch. Can I say, and by the way, you're getting some shouts out here on the live chat. I always like those to land with guests. Like, you know who Lauren Corbett is, right? Retired Edmonton chief. Fire District Chief, and what a yeah, beauty. a lot of respect. He says, dedication in all parts of life. Wilkie is the real deal. That from Lauren Corbett. Um, humbling, very humbling. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the politics of all this, too, and, and, and the Green Party and what it might mean. I mean, you're not going to, I don't think, hate on me if I say it would be an unlikely win for you to win your riding, but there's no incumbent in that riding. That's right. Right? There's no incumbent. There, so so we it's need wide authentic open. people, right? We need authentic people to be talking about these issues. And there's just so much political game. We 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 just listen to the political game unfold. Uh, vote for against things. Vote uh, to save people from an enemy. Uh, why aren't we serving the people? Why don't we get back to servitude? And that should be the main thing on people's minds when they go to vote. But go on. Let me ask. Now I don't want to come across as pessimistic, but yeah. like if we're if if wildfire preparedness or if environmental awareness or mm -hmm. if climate change isn't at the top of the list mm -hmm. when an election campaign is running concurrent to what could be the worst wildfire season yeah. in Alberta's recorded history, then when will we talk about it? And I'm not talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. Most people aren't talking about it. No, uh, it's very un inconvenient. That word always comes up, right? It's very inconvenient to talk about, especially when you've invested deeply in uh, some of the issues that are going to make these things worse. Uh, you know, we often in the Green Party and my messaging is, Yes, they're, they're different in some ways, but I would say that the UCP and the NDP in regards to their climate policy, in regard to uh, dealing with uh, you know, the expansion of industries that are perpetuating climate issues, uh, they're really two sides of the same coin. And that coin is owned by the large corporations, it's owned by the execs, uh, foreign interests in our oil and gas industry, and they're not doing what's necessary, and they're not protecting the people. And so what are we talking about? Because if we're talking about jobs, if we're talking about 
everyday Albertans getting ahead in some of these industries, then why aren't we talking about enforcing the polluter pay laws, uh, cleaning up, reclamation? We know that the Alberta Disclosure Liability Project said we'd have 10,000 jobs for a span of 25 years just in the abandoned orphan wells. But what about the $260 billion liability that is up in the tar sands, the aging out of infrastructure? So if this is about what's best for Alberta and Albertans, why aren't we focusing on the workers? And again, it just blows my mind that these are not part of the discussions. And that's why Greens need to be at the table. And that's why we need to have uh, more parties. Because when you fall into this two-party trap, which we keep talking about, and you create an enemy, you don't actually have to have solutions. But we need solutions and we should be demanding solutions and we should be demanding better from our government because these disasters are a policy failure. Just like when I was here last time, I was talking about poverty. It's a policy failure and we can do better. Uh, people can check out our, our stream from from eight days ago. It was our, our episode with Markham Hislop. And uh, it's it's uh, the, the thumbnail you're looking for is Alberta's secret shame. And uh, this was uh, Markham's look in with his energy media outlet into Alberta's what he describes as a three hundred billion dollar mess. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what Jordan's referencing. And you can find that in our archives on the podcast and on YouTube. How has the how have the wildfires impacted this election in your orbit? Like right. I would I would imagine like door knocking was probably put on hold for a few days as the air quality was you know had plunged into really really uh, dangerous uh, levels. How else? I That's mean, right. have, have have you found that? I mean, this is all anecdotal, but have people yeah. maybe been a little more receptive at the doors to so. the message you're trying to hammer home? Yeah, I mean, my throat hurts because I actually stayed on the doors. I did try to wear a mask. I, the first day I, I tried to tough it out, but don't be tough. Just be smart. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we've been hitting the doors and and it's been tough on, on our candidates for sure. Uh, events got canceled. People were more receptive uh, because, I mean, you just, it's at your doorstep. But why do we always have to wait for it to be at our doorstep? And that's why this proactive issue, uh, and, and as a disaster manager, it drives me crazy that we're not talking proactively about these issues so that we don't deal with worst case scenarios. And we're moving into that. And, and Ryan, like mark my words, wait for the droughts. Wait for the droughts. And we'll say, oh, how could it get this bad? Uh, the unprecedented droughts uh, in Alberta and, and affecting all the prairies. It's affecting our, our food shortages. It's affecting our food security. It's affecting our, 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 our supply chains. You know, we can get ahead of these things, but we have to have these conversations and we need to be listening and we need to be funding our capacity in regards to deep adaptation to the climate issues and to the things that we know are going to be knocking down our door and affecting every everyday Albertans. We have to to put a stop on some of the greed. And as we move forward, we need to be looking at how can we take care of one another? And that doesn't always mean expansion of these industries. It means working smarter. It means uh, looking after one another. And it means focusing our metrics less on GDP and more on well-being. Mm. That's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, isn't it? You know, should like, be, and and it shouldn't be. I mean, I'm I'm. We're talking about, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm 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 exaggerating, but you know, half the province on fire should get people's attention. Yes, but we were talking to somebody just the other day here in our studio. They popped in to say hello, and they go, "Who do you think is going to win the election?" And I go, "Well, it's a tight." And I kind of did my rigmarole that right. I do. It jumped around a little bit. Can't pin me down. And then I said, uh, and, and then this person just said, "Well, you know, I'm a conservative, so like I care about the economy." 
Yeah. And I was like, well. <laughs> and then I like this person and I also wasn't in the mood to argue. So I was like, I don't think we're going to get into it because I think that's sort of oversimplifying yes. what the election's all about. Yes. But for a lot of people, the election is literally just to whom will I pay lower personal income taxes or right. who will promise the lower corporate income tax rate or the corporate tax rate. Right. And that's all that matters. And the, But the solution is is the royalty rates and the fact that we're getting a pittance from the resources that we own. That's why we get royalties. Uh, we had someone talking about Peter Lougheed earlier. He wrote the roadmap on how to ensure that we earn our fair share, that we act like owners. So we need to take back our resources by enforcing the polluter pay laws, by raising our royalty rates, for ensuring that everyday Albertans are taken care of. Because that's how we build Alberta better. And that is how we demand better from our politicians, is ensuring that don't tax people, don't even carbon tax, don't tax people when these corporations are profiting at record levels, when oil and gas is up 1000% over the last three years while we go through a pandemic and an affordability crisis. And then they say, well, there's, sorry, there's nothing, uh, nothing to go around. We need to raise your taxes or let's talk about a sales tax. This is not the time for that. It is the time to stop the profiteering and the monopolization of these industries that are basically robbing us. And we need to wake up to that issue and we need to be demanding better from our politicians in order to regulate that because it's not their fault. They're a machine. That's what they do. They want to make money. It's our job as politicians to regulate that industry and ensure that Albertans are taken care of. You look at one of the, the, uh, the, you know, the UCP bombs that they lobbed at the NDP was around Kevin Van Tegum, the former right. superintendent of yeah. Banff National Park, and they dug up some old essays of his where mm-hmm. he, he compared the energy industry to slavery and energy workers as slaves. Bad and, words. Oh, well, yeah. sure, yeah. But, 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 but here you are saying that these companies are robbing us, yep. and, uh, and the conservatives that. certainly identified vernacular like that or language like that as something they could hitch onto and and maximize and torque. Is it dangerous for you as someone no. who's looking to achieve elected office to describe the biggest cash cow in the way that you are? No, because that money's not going to the people, right? And that's a, maybe, I don't want to say a form of slavery, uh, but what it is, because that's a heavy word. Um, and I think people take offense to that. Uh, but what I will say is that the money is leaving our province at uh, rates that are out of control and unacceptable. It is not going to the people because what are we talking about? When we talk about prosperity, are we talking about execs getting richer? Are we talking about these corporations, mostly foreign owned, mostly American, getting richer? Is that prosperity for the people of Alberta? I mean, we have to ask ourselves these questions. So when we are investing back into into this industry, we should be investing back worker centric. That's why reclamation is so important. That's why they don't want to talk about it. That is why they won't talk about, they won't say reclamation job boom. This could be the biggest job boom in Alberta's history. If we just enforce the polluter pay laws, which is the deal that we made, the laws on every level say you pay for what you did. You clean up the mess that you made billions on. And again, they're figuring out a way to, to make it the taxpayers problem. And that is absolutely ridiculous. And don't let anyone tell you that they don't have any money because you, you saw our star. You, you, we had Reagan, uh, Boychuk on this show, uh, Mark Doran. Uh, they have, they're th- trying to throw $20 billion. That was the first thing Daniel Smith did, right? She was lobbying for this. And then she, uh, when she became premier, that was, she was trying to shove this in and, and give back $20 billion of our money uh, to the industry that's profited at record levels to clean up their own mess. It's just ridiculous. Give it to the people. Reclamation job boom. We can have jobs for 
25 years straight just in the orphaned wells, just in the abandoned wells, not to mention, as we talked about, the liabilities up in the north. Uh, give us some insight into what it's like. I mean, this is being described by people, including me. Maybe I'm part of the problem just because I'm just calling it how I see it as a two-horse race, this election. Yeah. It's the NDs and it's the yeah. United Conservatives. Yeah. It's and the it's trap. two-horse race. It's a trap. Uh, how frustrating. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> My son's falling in love with Star Wars, seven years old. Uh, nice. how, how frustrating is that for you? You know, trying to make, like, you know, there's people in live chat right now. I know you can't see it right now, but everyone's like, careful, Jordan. You know, we'd hate to introduce common sense into politics. Yeah. Some yeah. people are like, Jordan needs to be in the, in the, the at the legislature. But, but, but you I know do. it's an uphill climb. Oh, it's an uphill climb because people will vote against. We've landed in the trap. We, we, we got caught. Now we have to get ourselves out. Uh, and that means we need a movement. It can't just be political. It needs to be a movement, a movement towards a stronger democracy, a movement towards proportional representation, a movement towards uh, ways to integrate common sense into politics. And you cannot do that when you have two parties saying, don't worry, I don't have any solutions, but at least I'm not that person. Mm. And I always say, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution, but you're never the full problem and you're never the full solution. And any party that markets themselves that way is lying to you. And if you cannot see that, then we have a deep, deep problem and a deep, deep flaw. And I think that we can overcome this. I think Albertans are very smart and I think that we need to start voting with our value system, but we need a full-on movement to get our democracy back to where it needs to be. And we had better democratic systems in Alberta uh, for over 30 years. We had proportional representation in this province for over 30 years, from the 20s to the 50s. That does not serve the, the people that want to hold power. And when the NDP got in power, they said that they would, well, originally their plank was to legislate or at least talk about proportional representation. But when you get power, you get in there just like Trudeau, and he says, oh, you know what, this is, this is pretty sweet. Uh, the system that exists now, this colonial system, uh, it allows me to keep this power. Uh, it gives me an advantage over uh, other uh, you know, parties and, and other representation, which is important. We have a diverse province, but we don't have diverse representation. They get in there and they say, you know what, I won't talk about this. This serves me, and that's greed. Whether it's corporate greed, whether it's political greed, greed in our society, how much are we going to take before we, says, before we say enough is enough and we want solutions and we want to have better representation? Because again, it's not about my values are better than your values. It's about representation. And Greens, there's people all over the province, for example, that want to vote Green, but they're voting out of fear. And I'm not saying that I deserve everyone's vote. I'm not saying that I'm going to agree with everyone, but... When we have a representative democracy, then we can move that concept to, okay, let's all have seats at the table and let's figure it out and let's get it done. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. We're being paid to work for the people. But all we do is bicker and argue and say, uh, you're doing it wrong and I'm the solution and that's just not okay. This is a question I don't think you're going to appreciate, and I'm going to okay. use it to wrap the interview. I'm looking at this riding again, uh, the 2019 Alberta general election. Last time that uh, voters in Edmonton Rutherford went to the polls, they sent a new Democrat, Richard Fian, yeah. uh, who was the incumbent, right, back to the legislature. Uh, 12,000 votes approximately for about 55% of the vote. The green candidate in that riding was not you. No. Uh, the Green candidate received just under 1% of the vote, 191 right. votes. That's so, right. I mean, if you were to win this riding, it mm -hmm. would be one of the great upsets in Alberta political history. Here's the question you might not like. Someone with Hit your me. passion, yeah. someone with your commitment, mm -hmm. someone with your understanding of what resonates with people, 
would you consider seeking a nomination with the new Democrats in a future election to get that seat in the legislature or make the road there that much easier? Why the green brand in Alberta for you? Okay, so first of all, I'll say that up until now, Greens have done a very bad job of showing that we care about how people are going to get through the end of the month the end of the week, how we're we going to deal with poverty, how we're we going to deal with houselessness, how we're we going to deal with these big issues. Because, Ryan, if, if you can't put food on your table, you don't care about climate change. You don't care about biodiversity. Okay, so when we talk about these things, we need to talk about it in a full circle and we need to show that we care. Uh, we're doing that now. So this is a game changer. Uh, will I win in this, in this election? I sure hope so, because we need better representation. However, to answer your question, I cannot support a party that fails the litmus test of democracy. When they say they want proportional representation, when they see that first past the post, and I'm talking about the, the, the NDP here, when they, say that they, when they see that they'll win under first past the post and then they change the rules, they bait and switch, just like Trudeau did, and say, yeah, no, uh, I don't know what you're talking about and, and we won't be doing this. Uh, it's a failure. It's a litmus test of whether you're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Poverty, poverty is a failure of policy. These disasters, climate change, wildfires are a failure of policy. We can do better. But we, if we can't have these discussions, Greens work differently than other parties. And that's why I'm here is we do not whip votes. We do vote against each other. We do listen to our constituents. We do represent on a stronger level democratically, and we need that. And so, unfortunately, unless we can overcome the two-party system, unless we can overcome the fear and the voting against, uh, then we will just have incrementalism, whether it's uh, our capacity to deal with these issues, to deal with these disasters, to deal with poverty, to deal with the affordability issues, you name it is all incrementalism because we're being fed the scraps. Mm. And unless we demand better and demand what we deserve as Albertans, our fair share, as Peter Lougheed said, we will never get anywhere. I was reading up on Ed Stelmack's legacy the other mm. night because I'm a geek. and um, No, he, he's got a cool legacy. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. And he did a lot of stuff, including uh, that royalty review. I mean, he, he yeah. took me tacked on 20% from the province's take on resource revenue. But he paid the price for it. He did. The, the people made him pay the price for that. And well, his party about, did. His party did. And you talk yeah, about that's that, very that, different that, than the that's people. That's a fair point. That's yeah. a fair point. I, I guess so. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, premiers that talk about royalty reviews typically will face a lashing. Uh, and I've always thought it's kind of interesting. I understand about business uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. about retracting and retaining mm-hmm. investment. Um, but if you put it in the terms of trying to get the people a better deal for the resources that they own, absolutely, or at least that we're lucky enough to, to build our homes over top, uh, it's always a fascinating conversation. This is a neat comment from Jeff, uh, Jeff Valuation, Jeff Valuation, Jeff, Jeff Evolution. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm butcher, butchering your handle here. He says if people would actually listen to policies and vote. Yeah. Uh, instead of just saying economy blue, everything else mm-hmm. orange, mm-hmm. Uh, we might actually have a working democracy. Here we have the leader of the Green Party of Alberta, Jordan Wilkie, joining us. Full of fucking passion, man. 
I think it's great. Uh, I got a lot of respect for you, and uh, and I love the hard work you're putting into this campaign. I appreciate you joining us in studio. Yeah, it's it's not as complicated as people want to make it. And again, when we say two sides of the same coin, uh, who owns that coin? Let's keep that in mind. And can I just give a, a shout out to all the firefighters and wildland Absolutely. firefighters that are working their asses off, uh, the Canadian military, everyone in between, volunteers that are stepping up on every level. Uh, everyone's working so hard. I'm so sh- sorry that you're short-staffed. I'm so sorry that the capacity levels are we're dealing with uh, are creating uh, th- making this harder and I'm sorry that people aren't even getting paid we have wildland firefighters out there that that we've had uh, four years of an epidemic of of not getting their paychecks on time do better Alberta government help out your wildland firefighters and I want to give a special shout out to Frankie Payu. Frankie Payu is uh, the East Prairie Métis settlement uh, his is he's a wildland firefighter for I think over 15 years, his house burnt down during these fires and he was out fighting the fire. Then he was cutting a tree, that tree snapped up high, it fell on him, broke his back. I think he's got brain bleeds, he's in the U of A. Uh, there is a GoFundMe for his family. Okay. Uh, I've sent it out to Johnny um, and you know, please give a little bit, at, you know, we, we care. Albertans, there's one thing that is amazing, Albertans, we care so deeply and we care about the right things. Uh, you know, throw a little bit uh, to, 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 to Frankie and, and, and his family and, you know, I, I just wish the, the best for this family and, you know, what, what a hero. Uh, Johnny, the province. You throw that, uh, if you would, in our live chat right now, the link to the GoFundMe, if you yeah, have well, it. Sure. And if not, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll make sure that that's in the show notes uh, on the YouTube uh, episode or on our podcast. And we'll also tweet it out from Thank our you. Real Talk RJ account to make sure that, that, that that's news to me. I hadn't heard that story. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing it up, Wilkie. That's Jordan Wilkie, leader Thanks, of the Green Party of Alberta. Imagine if more people in politics gave a shit as much as this guy does. This conversation is presented by uh, sponsors of Real Talk, including the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. This is a perfect time of year to swing into a DQ in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road. Their 2023 Summer Blizzard Treat Menu is waiting there for you, including the Caramel Fudge Cheesecake Blizzard Treat. This thing is decadence at a next level. Trust me, you will not regret stopping in to check out one of these blizzards. And while you're there, make sure you check out their signature stack burger lineup as well. I love the combo. You can mix and match the fries and the onion rings if you oh, can't make up your mind. You do. Oh, dude. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit. Hey, a dip a fry into a blizzard. You ever tried that before? Oh, baby! At the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park. So I get a little excited talking about DQ. What do you want me to do? Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want us to let you know that right now they're putting out a call for electricians that are looking for work. Kubi is growing its team. I mean, there's nothing new there. This company has exploded over the past number of years. And you can see the evidence all over their website. Check out the installs they're doing on uh, folks' farms, big commercial buildings, of course, a ton of residences across B.C., Northwest Territories, Alberta, Saskatchewan. And they're also doing a lot on EV chargers. A lot more people investing in electric vehicles. You want to charge it in the comfort of your own home and your own garage. Kubi can get that install handled for you. And if you'd like to join Team Kubi, you can get in touch with them today by way of their website, kubienergy.ca. Kubi Energy is hiring. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want you to know that their garden centers are now open. And the coolest part about the garden center at Friesen Brothers, more than half the plants that they sell there are actually grown 
right here in the province. And that means that, of course, they're more resilient. They're more well-suited to Alberta's weather. Even the potting soil is made right here in Alberta. Now, selection may vary per store. They love Alberta plants. They love working with Alberta suppliers. You can learn more by checking out a really great YouTube video on their website. That's Friesen.com. F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Now, if gardening is, in your world, better left to the experts, and if your outdoor space, your front yard, backyard, or both could use a total overhaul, look no further than Eden Landscaping. Mike and his team at Eden have been bringing outdoor spaces to life for more than 20 years. You can check out their portfolio on their website, landscapeedmonton.ca. Absolutely beautiful projects. Ultra-modern, natural beauty, stunning stonework. Whatever your dream is, they can make it come true. Eden Landscaping is online. You can get a free consultation today by checking out landscapeedmonton.ca. And tomorrow will mark the return of Trash Talk right here on Real Talk. If you have something to get off your chest, send us an email, will ya? Subject line, Trash Talk. It's presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. If you're a decision maker in a community, maybe you're in charge of a municipality's garbage or recycling collection, maybe you're part of a big industrial operation or a huge retail store, or maybe it's just a ma and pa shop in Edmonton or Whitecourt or Regina or one of the other communities they serve, We can almost guarantee you're going to save money by requesting a quote today from local environmental services. They operate differently there. You can learn more about their mantra. What makes them tick at Mm localenvironmental.ca. You doing okay over there, buddy? I believe it's called Blue Thumb. We were talking about this. What's blue thumb? <laughs> that's when you're not good at gardening with yeah. Eden Landscape. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, I, I'm I, a blue thumb because I'm always hitting it and bruising myself, and I suck at gardening. Although yeah. I don't want to brag, we came in here on Monday, and I had overlooked watering one of our plants, and it had absolutely collapsed. We thought it was done. I thought, we it, thought was it was done. Dead. But we nurtured it and we nursed it back to it's health. It's right behind us. It is looking it's right un- here. Yeah, it's, it's right, right there. Here. And we, we gave it a little water. We put it in the sun, and, and miraculously, it's it stood. Now we did after we lost a few stalks or stems or whatever you want yeah. to call it whatever they are obviously we're experts in in the subject and uh but it here it literally is. went we from yellow to green in like in like a few hours it's i don't know the circle I guess, of life buddy just give them water the magic of mother nature throwing in the green references for for jordan there yeah. as well nice just job. a great guy love the jordan like bouncing in his seat he yeah gives, he gives a damn that and guy, wouldn't hey? it be great like and it's not a knock against any candidate because I'm sure they all have their convictions, but like how much he actually cares about what he's talking about. And like, it'd be great if like a third of the voices that we have were from green or another, any other party. Like, it's just ridiculous. We have this two party system and it's no, it's no secret that me and my partner, we voted green ever since I moved to Alberta, 2008. We voted green every time. I don't think you've ever said it before. Really? And this is the first year I'm sure she'll still go vote, vote green, but she feels backed in a quarter. She feels like this election is like too close and she has to vote NDP, even though she feels like NDP is a little uh, like like people are saying center right for her. Right. But she feels backed in a corner. So it's the first year where she's been considered. I'm sure she'll still get in the booth and tick the green. Yeah, box, I mean, so. you know, it's and, and we, you know, we talk about our two party system, like technically it's not a two party system. We do have other parties out there and I can but think they're of, just not there are great around. candidates like Jordan <laughs> like, Wilkie and Edmonton Rutherford. But I guarantee like 
the NDP and the conservative Can candidates right any? now and their team. Well, and their <laughs> teams Jordan, would, would know? quite would quite rightfully say to us, like, you're going to bring that candidate on. You're not going to bring us on. Mm-hmm. And that would be a fair comment. You know, uh, my assertion here is that it's the leader of the Greens talking about this. But but what about like Carrie Kundal? Sure. You know, she's a skilled and whip smart lawyer down in Calgary. Elbow. Mm-hmm. She's she's a she's the nominated Alberta Party candidate down there. People would love to see Carrie Kundal in the Alberta legislature, former leader of the Alberta Liberal Party. People would love to see Barry Morishita in the Alberta, you know, former mayor of uh, Brooks, you know, mm-hmm. former president of Alberta municipalities. And, you know, Barry's, you know, fighting the good fight for the Alberta Party. But the fact of the matter is, and I, I hate to be the butt guy, but I think on election night, we're going to see that Alberta voters are choosing blue or orange. That's how it is. This right? time around. And, and we're going to see. And it was kind of like Alberta hockey fans, John, when the playoffs started. <laughs> You only had one option, and that was blue and orange because the the, the red and yellow and white just wasn't there. And it's sad because you want to see more representation, and especially a guy like Jordan. You can see everything he's talking about is about the people. It's not about, like, how we can work better with this and that and the corporate. It's, It's all about how can we get more money back into the pockets of the people? How can we have more control and more regulation over corporations? And I think what we're seeing here, like, and I'm not a politics buff at all, you know that. But as we get to this, you know, kind of peak oil production worldwide, you know, they're talking about 2030, 2035, all these climate issues, if they're not already pushed to the forefront, are going to be right at the forefront, especially for those young voters. So I'm hoping that a lot of young voters, like our guests have been saying in the last week, come out to vote, and especially over the next five to 10 years, so we can get more voices like Jordan yeah. in there talking. Well, and you always say this, Johnny, and I always give you shit for it once the show wraps. You always go, I know I'm not a political, I know I'm not whatever, but like, <laughs> keep this in mind, man. All the nerds and geeks, like and I'm myself included, yeah. makes up like less than 1% of any electoral yeah. writing. All the people that can go back and like name exactly who the MLAs were, or who the- Well, you, you can. School, you, well, sure. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is the way democracy works is that there's going to be thousands and thousands of people voting in every riding. And these are mm-hmm. real life people with real life issues that are going to cast their vote based on their understanding mm-hmm. of what's best for them. And that's why tomorrow on Friday's Real Talk, we're going to be presenting the Inform Your Vote Roundtable. Okay, so we want to make sure that you catch that. That's coming up on Friday's Real Talk right here. We're going to hit this from an environmental standpoint. We're going to hit this from a fiscal standpoint, like we're talking dollars and cents. And we're going to bring a business voice in here as well. The conversations are always going to be better on Real Talk when you're contributing to them. That's why we sure appreciate you participating in our live chats, sending us emails like you do to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and of course, sharing our shows with other people that you know would enjoy them. It means a ton to us when you smash that like button, when you tell people about Real Talk, when you're out at the dog park and someone says, what are you listening to? And you say, it's Real Talk Ryan Jesperson. It's the number one podcast in Western Canada. You should check it out yourself. We love knowing when new people are catching on to this show, growing this engaged audience. It means the world to us. We'll talk to you again in 23 hours. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. 
Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 